You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode two of the Get Tucked podcast. This is a super special week for me and some of my friends because this past Friday, Off-Road Minivan released two new songs. They're called Supernova and Vampire. Uh, For those that don't know, I also mosh and spin kick on stage while singing for the band Off-Road Minivan. Uh, We have a brand new album coming out called Swan Dive, and if you're into the emo indie stuff, please check it out. It'll be out on Tooth & Nail Records on May 15th. And the song currently playing beneath us is a song called Supernova by that band. And that's me singing. I hope you like it. This week's guest on Get Tucked is a super special one. He's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. There's so much I could say about him, how handsome he is, how he's my best friend, how we enjoy long walks on the beach. But I'm going to get to the good stuff. So here you go, my episode with the one and only... Bobby. Hi, Bobby. How are you today? I'm good. I'm ready to get tucked. We're going to get tucked together. Like I'm ready. It sounds hot. Makes me yeah. sound horny. Uh-huh. Sure. I feel horny. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting that I'm recording this now, so everyone can uh, really get the mood yeah. set right away. Sure, or you could cut that um, out. I could, I guess, but you know that's not fun. Wouldn't be, uh, uh, wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be true. Um, but how are you? I'm good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Life, life is okay. We're we're managing. We're cruising. You know, I asked a bunch of the um, Fit for uh, King peoples to give me questions to ask you today. And a lot of people are very curious about you and the plant shop. But I think we'll get to that later on. But, you know, it seems like you're you're alive and well and busy and kicking butt. Definitely. So, cool. Yeah. Dude, you know, I was thinking about this. And number one. What was before stalking Laura or was stalking Laura your first? Yeah, stalking Laura was okay, disclaimer. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the name of the band. We just came in so hot. It's the worst band name of all time. Of all time. It's so bad. So um, bad that it might be my favorite band name ever. Um just so I, everyone knows, this is a band that Bob was in in high school. It was like a two piece. Blood no, Brothers. no, what? not no. I no, thought it was a two-piece. Way, way off track. That was the storehouse. Two-piece was storehouse. Okay, all right. I'm so, off. I'm so, wrong. All right. So here's straight. the timeline. Here's the timeline. 
I am a sophomore in high school. I'm in geometry class. I meet this guy named Luke Bell. I doubt Luke will ever hear this, but if he does, I love you. I miss you. He lives in New York now. Maybe you'll see him. I don't know. Do you know where? Uh, I don't. I could find out. Maybe Brooklyn. Not sure. Um, Probably. But So he... You know, I could tell just by looking at him that he was like into the screaming music like I was. And, you know, we kind of formed a bond and turns out he was like a vocalist frontman, and he was already in this band. But I don't know what was going on with that. So he asked me to play drums in his new band and it didn't have a name. And uh, they were all seniors. I was a sophomore. I was just this like dumb, young, impressionable kid. Just kind of going along kick. with the ride. Barely. I think I had just gotten my Iron Cobra Jr. double kick pedal specifically for this band. Okay. So I was learning. I was working on that. And I got to practice. And I remember there was like three names that they were deciding on. One was the stalking of Laura Black, which is like <laughs> something that happened in history, which is like, I don't know. Very okay. strange. Everyone then, has to Google that now. Yeah, the stalking of Laura Black. And then there was Slaughter Creek, option two. I was down. I'm like, Slaughter Creek, that's great. That's pretty bad. Uh, that sounds like yeah. where my parents live. Exactly. Yeah. And then I don't remember the third one. And then the next week, I got to practice, and they are like, yeah, we are the stalking of Laura Black, but we're just going to go by stalking Laura. And I'm like, man, that is just horrific but uh i guess i can't really i just want to be in this band and play drums and play shows so uh yeah it's uh it was interesting so we it was like death metal death core we tried to be like as blood runs black and job for a cowboy and maylene at the sun in the sons of disaster all at the same time so the southern riffs that's yeah it was cool it was cool but i didn't write any riffs i was just playing drums i was just i was really like kind of just following the lead guitarist, you know, oh, not I, really. I think yeah. a lot of people out there don't know that you do play drums or that you can't play drums, but you played drums in high school, right? You were on the drum line or something. Yeah. Yeah. I marched on the drum line. I played the tenors. I played drums in the jazz band in high school for a few years. So that was like, uh, yeah, kind of like my introduction into music. Cause I was in like the beginner band in the sixth grade. And then my dad bought me a drum kit. Um, I think like eighth, seventh or eighth grade. So, so and then you, you know, start riffing. Why'd you stop playing drums and you st- why'd you start riffing? Well, I I got a guitar. I got like you know just a one of those Squire acoustic guitars. They're like ninety bucks. Um, Sweet. I forget what the deal was. Yeah, my dad was like, if you we have a there's a competition called solo and ensemble. If you're competing in your UIL division, and he said if you get ones at your competition, meaning if you do well, I'll buy you this guitar. So he did, and I fell in love with it. So, um, yeah, I guess I was kind of like playing drums and playing guitar and at the same time and learning both of them at the same time and um, realized early on that I was way better at playing guitar than I was at playing drums because I, I like wanted to write riffs for my band but they already had that kind of figured out for how they wanted to do it. And I, I struggled like keeping up as a drummer. You know, I feel like we weren't very good because of me being like kind of bad at the drums. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
because at some, at one point um I started like screaming in that band and we got a new drummer who was on the drum line with me and he was awesome and then things started to get like really cool uh but then I quit I would have loved to see yeah. you as a front man we've discussed right. this before you would have yeah, been I mean, badass front man I could not control the sounds that came out of my face. So I wasn't really worth much as a vocalist, but yeah, basically. Yeah. There are recordings of me. There are recordings of me screaming and bellowing and doing gutturals somewhere on the internet. If you can find them, they do exist. Sweet. You should let me hear it at least because you're my friend. Maybe. You know, I feel like I deserve that. I won't show anybody, but you can okay. show me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so are, cool. are we con- continuing with the timeline or are we moving um, on? Yeah, you did um, the stalking of all of the Loras. And then yeah. where did you go from there, Roberto? I quit that band to start a band with my friend Steve-O, who was playing drums in a band called, we once called them Kings, if you are a Fort Worth local. Wow. Maybe that rings the bell. It's like a Saginaw, Texas. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to run in place when I listen to that band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, probably. The Steve-O. Uh, the Steve-O. And okay. um, I was playing guitar, having fun, writing songs with Steve-O. And dude, we had a an iMac on stage playing drums. Like there was no, we didn't have a drummer. We just had like programmed drums playing out of the house. Very strange, but I don't get it. I don't know. Um, And then that band, I guess, didn't last very long. Uh, And then we shifted into a new band called Bodies Awake. And that is where, that's when we found Ryan Kirby. Or, you know, know, not like found. Ryan said in the last episode that he had a band for a minute where it was just going to be him and Aaron, where there was like no drums. Yeah. And, or it was all just backtracks and stuff. Man, it would have been crazy if you guys both had bands like that. Well, I did. We committed to it. And they chickened out. They were phonies. They faked it. So the problem is that the drums that Aaron Smith wrote were not uh, playable. (laughs) I'm sure somebody out there can play. I mean, definitely these days, I'm sure somebody could play. Alex Rudinger. Yeah, him and probably, you know, a handful of others. But um, yeah, so Kirby was in Daybreaker. Daybreaker was awesome. They kind of fizzled. I don't know what happened. They had so much potential, but he was kind of like a free agent at the time. And we were all like 18, 19 years old. I had like just graduated high school and uh, we got Kirby to join Bodies Awake. And that's when we were like, man, this stuff sounds great. Like it just it's amazing what having like a good screamer can do for your songs and uh and then Fit for a King needed an opener for their headliner. I guess y'all probably went over that. I need to listen to your interview with him. Did you I hear my intro yet? I haven't heard the intro. Oh, man. That's the most important part of the whole show, honestly. I think that's do the best scream? 15 seconds. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. 
Yeah, I just sound, it reminds me of what Chris Farley would do to okay. start my show. Um, okay, for some reason That's false. I don't know. Okay, I just you can imagine him just like doing that little twist thing he does while you sing yes. the song, but you know, yes, hopefully you listen to it. You have more important things to do generally than listen to the silly things that I create. Um, I wouldn't like say take that. Take care of your family, and there's always time run. to listen to things. That's true. I yeah. send you things. You listen to my last thing I made, my emo thing, my sad yeah. song. Um, that was cool. Thanks, brah. Yeah, when I'm yeah. Boney Bear someday, I'm going to own a cool cabin, and then I'll record a record in there, and then it'll go platinum. That would be nice. Wouldn't that would be something? ideal. And then they'll, it will be like Drake, but all without the D. That's my... Uh-huh. So, really, I'm Rake. Rake, okay. But... The album is Drake without the D. So that was so that was Bodies Awake. That was Bodies then, Awake. And then we went on tour with Fit for a King and Euphony. That's um, when you got sunburned to death. Yeah. There's so many stories. I feel like all of the all of my tour stories that are worth mentioning are from those like thirteen shows that we played. Uh yeah, that was a I was just you made bold but, decisions. Dude, I was just a, a like raging ball of chaos. Really only in terms of like shenanigans. Just like bad decisions that really only involved me like communicating poorly to other people. Really just lying, just making up ridiculous things and not really getting into trouble, just like putting myself in uncomfortable situations and then feeling really bad about them afterwards. doesn't really make a whole That's lot of sense. Cool. Doesn't, we don't need to get into I think it just stuff. sounds like everything everyone did at like 18. Sounds um, right. I yeah, also, as you know, have made some stupid decisions in my existence mm-hmm. as well. So, I, you know, I, mean, I think you're all right. There's something right. strange about being like fresh out of high school and then you're out on tour with your band for some reason it just feels like all like laws and rules and like Nothing. things you yeah. shouldn't do as a human like none of that applies to you for no, whatever no. reason i don't really it's just this strange you just throw everything to the wind you're like well i've let i've lost control of everything i'm at the mercy of these like tiny shows and hopefully people come for some reason no one knows who our bands are there's no way anyone is coming so let's just do whatever we want and i guess just see what happens so it's it was an interesting time it was sometimes when you're i think especially because we did it for so long or have done it for so long um that you kind of forget about all the stupid things that we got to do as kids when we were just going oh, yeah. out and playing to nobody and it didn't matter oh, yeah. if you were making any money because you never thought you were going to. You were going out and just spending money and putting it all in the gas tank and being like, oh, yep. I hope we can make it to the next day. Like, yeah. So, yeah. That's sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys were a bunch it's of silly guys. And there was a bunch of super talented people on that tour. Yes, there were. Yeah. yeah. All of you, Finny. They were animals. Um, I mean, Fit for a King, obviously, so much talent. But I mean, uh, Fit for a King now is so different from what that lineup was. The yeah. only ones that are left are you and Ryan and Jared, and there was also, um, 
I don't know what. So at that time, there's three other members. There was other Aaron. There was the first Aaron. There was Aaron DeKerr, long hair. Yeah. Now he's a police officer with short hair. And um, a friend of ours, Aaron Warren, was playing guitar for Fit for a King at the time. He was in a band called Speak Now Against the Day with Mikey. Oh, okay. Is that how you met Mikey? Through, yeah, just through music, just through like playing at shows and just kind of just like forcing hanging out upon them. That's tight. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And Justin the Hammer Hammer was in Fit. Justin, yeah, Justin the Hammer, dude. Yeah, he was the man. Still is the man. Still is the man. Still is. Yeah, he, you know, he should come on tour too. That'd be fun. He should. We would have a good time someday. When we have like three buses, there we and, go. You know, we're like bajillionaires. That'd be really hey. cool when the world comes back. That would um, be cool. Yeah, you know, we can dream. Why not? Yeah. So yeah, yeah we kind of covered this with Ryan a little bit, but so around that time, Fit for a King dropped some members, and because one dude was getting married and yada yada, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then you and the Curbs joined the band i believe mm-hmm. if i remember correctly they came for you first and then you took the curbs with you um, yeah i remember it going like hey you can be in our band if you want but kirby has to audition or something like that <laughs> i don't know not no burn on kirby by any means but it was something to the effect of like yeah you're in you're good but yeah Kirby, we we don't know. We're not so sure about. I don't know. I don't know what he said, how it went down, but that I remember it being like something like that. When you've shown me some of the bodies awake stuff, and when I've heard it, you know, no offense, I think really the only downside was like Steve-O. The stuff sounded pretty damn good, and it reminded me a lot of just your writing in general, but maybe you're writing more so in like the slave to nothing era more than anything. Yeah, um, it it was very like. I just, you know, I loved like volumes and the ghost inside at the time. And those two bands were like a pretty like decent influence for us, I suppose. I just loved like the spacey, heavy, groovy kind of stuff and had no idea how to write it. So that's just kind of like what came out, you know, um, but Kirby, he was the one that made it worth like listening to. I mean, you listen to those recordings, you can't even tell what the guitars are doing. So like, I mean, yeah. Did you guys self-record those ones at that time? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. seems like you were always on that ball of, like, learning how to self-record and how to take care of that yourself. Like, I mean, it's pretty badass. I'm just now trying to figure it out, and it is not fun. I mean, well, it I is just, fun, but it's not as yeah. easy as I'd hope. We just, it was a good way to write songs, and then we realized that we could make them, like, listenable. So, you know, we just figured, let's not spend money on recordings and buy some microphones and get some plugins and maybe we can make this sound good enough to where it'll at least like stand a chance out on the internet and i guess it kind of did sort yeah, of i agree but, yeah. i think it was good yeah Absolutely. Well, thanks that's Thank pretty solid it's the kind of vibe where it's like, oh, Elton John recorded on that piano, like through those microphones. Like it, it was such like a nice place. Wow. Um, okay. Great. Yeah. Great kit. Like we think we had like a Yamaha Beach Custom. Ama- I mean, just all of the equipment you could ever want tracked through a huge SSL. I mean, like amazing equipment. 
and I replaced all the drums because I couldn't get them to sound good. And then whenever we listened to all of our mixes as a class in front of everyone, and uh, yeah, I just smoked everybody's drum tones. And it's kind of sad because I was, it, I forget what it was. It was some like trigger thing, some like, or I think I used like Chango samples or something. Very I don't nice. know. But yeah, teacher was impressed. Like everybody was stoked. And I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's not what those drums sound like. So this is kind of depressing. Uh, yeah. So, well, not kind of yeah. learned early because that is definitely the standard now. Um, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. Some people can just make them sound so damn good, like yeah. Drew or Josh Travis or Jeff. Lots of people. Lots, lots of people. people. But not me. Lots of lots not of me as a young man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the time, I guess it sounded great, right? So Yeah, it was cool. That's awesome. So yeah. one thing people asked about a lot um, is, so you when you joined, you guys uh, eventually came out with Descendants. Um, and that's when you guys really started to develop like a true guitar tone. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was curious, so who kind of led the way with that? Was that Justin like had a few songs written and was like, Hey, this is kind of what I do. And then you added the spice to it or how exactly that work out with the album descendants? Yeah, that's absolutely what happened. I mean, the band had maybe four or five songs written that had already been released. Um, and or maybe just a few of them had been like Barry, the Messenger, Messenger, Hollow Eyes. There might be one more that I'm forgetting, but yeah, Justin was using Logic. He had Pod Farm, and I think I had like just gotten Pod Farm. I don't know what I was using before that. I think I was miking a cab to record. Um, so I basically just had like a template that Justin made. So I was kind of just like adding to what he was doing and trying to make my mixes sound like his. And then eventually just kind of like picked up where he left off with that's awesome writing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was like my first introduction into like, yeah, I think just pod farm in general. I think it was the first time I had used an amp sim was with him. He was like showing me what to do and how it all worked. That's nice. You know, a lot yeah. of people were asking kind of what you, how you started making demos in the past. So I was curious about that. Now, when at that point, did you guys tour a lot on descendants? Was it out for like a year or two? Cause I know eventually it was re-released on solid state, but for how yeah. long did you guys tour on it as an independent band? I, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I can remember the venue. I know the descendants tour was with from Atlantis and my ticket home and we were in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the day that we actually had like physical copies of Descendants and it was officially released. Very nice. Man, I feel I feel like we toured like crazy as an independent band for so I feel like any opportunity. I mean, that I've we seen got, quite a few Lammies at Jared's yeah. house on the wall. So I yeah. feel like it was at least, you know, it was definitely a year of like full touring. It looked like you guys yeah. had a lot of stuff going on. Had to have been like um, there. I mean, so that tour would have been, oh gosh, fall of 2013, maybe 2012. Honestly, 
I cannot, I really cannot remember. It's been, it's just one giant blur, but I can remember Onward to Olympus taking us on tour. I can remember Ice Nine Kills taking us on tour. I can remember, let's see, Affiance taking us on tour. We were supposed to tour with Gideon. Gideon was headlining and then All's Quiet. Do you remember that band? Anybody remember that? I band? don't All's remember Quiet. All's Quiet. All, yeah, it was All's Quiet on the Western Front. And yeah, we played three. What a name. Played, yeah. And then we played three shows, two or three shows on this one tour. And then uh, I don't remember what happened, but the tour did not. <laughs> it, it did not happen. Uh, yeah, we played like Oklahoma City and Fort Worth. Back, Blake Hardman was in the band at the time. That was, you know, he was good in Gideon days. at the time. Yeah, yeah, good old days. Yeah. yeah, for those who don't know, that's the guitar player of Counterfarts. Yeah, that was a joke. Did you get it? Got it. That was a fart joke. Mm. <laughs> so that, that yeah, that was just that was Descendants. Um, good times. Now this is all pre. I didn't bring this up with Kirby, but when the trailer got smashed, was that during Descendants time, or was that after you guys got signed? We had we were signed and we were going on our first tour as a solid state band. We were leaving Fort Worth. Can I just see if I can remember this lineup? Yeah, Uh, Fit for a King was opening. And then after that, I believe Hearts, no, not Hearts and Hands, uh, man, thick, okay, Thick as Blood, Two of Six, Hard. Hearts and Hands, Three of Six, This or the Apocalypse, Four of Six, The Browning, Five of Six, Impending Doom, Headlining. Um, and we what were on our way, this? it was just an Impending Doom headliner. And they had five bands playing before them, and we were the first one. That's and we were on our way to the first show, and we had barely made it like thirty miles from my parents' house where we kept the trailer, and we got rear-ended by an (laughs) eighteen-wheeler. Yeah, didn't you guys lose any equipment? Nope, I don't think so. That's nuts. I don't think so. Yeah, but I don't know. I know our we had to have like rented a van or something because our van, like the nose of the trailer smashed into the back of the van. Uh, yeah. But somehow we made it to like the third show of the tour. I don't know. We were very, we had, yeah, we were persevering big time to make that happen. I mean, well, of course that's your like first big tour. You want to go be super screamo all across Mm -hmm. America. Yeah. It's awesome. See, it's great. I think too, because, you know, to always think about, you know, and to, sh- and to showcase for people how long of an effort Fit for a King made before things actually worked oh, yeah. out for the project. Because I'd say, you know, now we're moving and doing okay, but holy shit, you guys did a lot of touring early on in order to get into that position and released yeah. a whole album independently that luckily mm-hmm. did well. But yeah, it did well. Yeah, it was cool. The big one. destruction was awesome. It was awesome. We got, we we had, yeah, it was, there was some magic with that album. Uh, you know, I think it's serious guitar magic. There's a lot of magic in general, but yeah, the guitar tone is whoo. 
So I think it's just a combination of a lot of things. Like I was like at a maximum level of stoked. I think I was at like a 12 or a 13 out of 10. And I mean, the other guys, I know Kirby was having fun. I know Jared was having fun. Uh, like, at, yeah, we were just like living it up. This first, is your first my, time away recording? Yeah, we're with Andreas in Richmond, Virginia for five weeks or something like that. And yeah. I'm like sleeping in the drum room. I have the drum room to myself, like sleeping on the floor. Super, It's like super chilly in there. It's super quiet. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, there was like a bunk room. Uh, yeah. So it was just like a massive hangout for five weeks with my friends while um, recording an album. Andreas was in Scarlet. And was yeah. he in yeah. any other bands that you know of? Probably. I don't, yeah. I don't just know. Just that you remember. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. But yeah. so you guys made this record. And it has insane magic. Everyone's super stoked on it. Like, I think that our fans constantly reference how good the guitar tone was, how good the songwriting was on it. And I'd say it's definitely one of the most cohesive, if not the most cohesive, Fit for a King album to date. Totally. Um, Totally. You know, it just kind of maintains a feel throughout the whole thing. And I think that's why some of our fans gravitate towards it as hard as they do. Um, yeah. still to this day, which is cool. I think all yeah. of us have an appreciation for it. Even myself who was not there, but, um, I still think it's great. Yeah. But it what weight did, of songwriting did you carry on that record? I know you engineered a lot with Andreas, but, um, how much of the songwriting did you do on creation destruction? Oh, uh, good question. You know, I can remember, uh, writing Hollow King with Kirby. I can remember writing, let's see, Warpath and The Lioness. And I don't know. Some I can't say that I can't say that I wrote like these songs by myself. I can't, no, I, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what Justin wrote. Yeah. There had to have been something. So, no, it sounds like you guys yeah. were very much working as a group at this time, man. Well, the thing was, it was it was just tricky because at the time, Kirby and I lived in Arlington, and then Jared and Justin were in Tyler, and Aaron Kadura at the time lived in Houston, or maybe he lived with me. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Um, yeah, I don't think I feel like all of for the most part, most of the songs like came from me and my computer and like Kirby helping and like, I guess people helping here and there, but I also don't recall the songs being done before we got to Andreas's studio. I you think know, we were like a couple minutes deep into every single one and like, didn't know how to finish him. And then Andreas really helped us like fine tune them and kind of like wrap everything up. That sounds like the fit for a King way. Totally. That's how it's always. It's kind of how it's always been, uh, at least with the ones I've done with you guys, too. And, you know, it's interesting. One thing we didn't touch upon with Ryan is I think people uh, don't understand or or wouldn't think about it. But Ryan, despite not like playing guitar or anything, is kind of a really good songwriter. He has a hell of an ear and having him in the room is super helpful um, because he can mouth out guitar parts that 
um, really help to structure and make songs all the time. Dude is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People yeah, always just, I think that's a problem now is a lot of people, they just are like, well, I'm the guitar player. I wrote this song. Here you go. Scream on it. And yeah. then that's it. And then they put it on the internet and that's, you know, it's just kind of boring. It doesn't sound like a band. Um, yeah. It, it depends on how you go about it. I mean, it can work you, for sure. It can, it totally can. But yeah, if a guitarist and a vocalist are like working together in unison in harmony, chances are the song will turn out better than if just a guitarist wrote it by himself, you know, that you have to be able to exercise, um, like pretty good restraint on yourself to, you know, I call it wanking to not just like do whatever you want on the guitar. Cause it's fun to play and it sounds cool, but you're not leaving room for the vocals, you know? So like working, working on songs with Kirby, like I remember he and I sitting in my parents, like in my bedroom at my parents' house, writing ancient waters, and just being like, this is so cool. This is so awesome. And he he was so plugged in and like in tune with like all the riffs and all of the moments. And we kept things so simple. And I remember even like writing vocals, lyrics, vocal patterns and recording them as we were writing guitar parts. So things were kind of happening simultaneously. Same thing happened with Hollow That's King. Sick. Same thing happened with Warpath. I, you know, I feel like some of the best Fit for a King songs were written that way, where like we were keeping vocals in mind almost the entire time while we were working on the instruments. Well, I think yeah. that's something that you've definitely gotten back to. I um, think so. I think well, on this, these last two, I would say that you and Drew are super, super um, thoughtful of what the vocals could be doing or what they're capable of. I know he is. Because he's yeah. thinking about them and taking voice memos constantly. Yes, so, and he doesn't. Is. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the guitars. He doesn't. Yeah. It's not important to him as long as, as long as it's like great or good or great. Then it stays. If he doesn't like what it sounds like, it then it gets deleted and you write something else. But he is not picky at all when it comes yeah. to guitars. It's definitely not a riff competition. I think if it creates a good feel for him. And gets yeah. the point across that he wants to get across with you or envisions as well, then uh, he sticks with it. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you guys used for the guitar tone on Creation Destruction? Maybe yeah, what guitar you played and what what amp? You know what it was. It was my LTD EC four hundred seven, the guitar that I raffled off. Um, the amp was the pod farm Cali tread plate with a tube screamer in front of it. And some, I think we ended up using an impulse response that, uh, Andreas had like just kind of uh, some impulse package that he had. It wasn't a pod farm cabinet. Um, and that's it. And we said we were going to go back and reamp, but then when we were mixing, the guitars just sounded so crazy good, so like clear, but like crunchy and thick, and so yeah, so much like transparency in the tone all the way to the strings. So um, all just plugins. You didn't even you didn't use the tube screamer pedal. You went completely plugins in the computer because it, it is was the line, yeah, yeah, it was the line six tube screamer. Man, that's awesome because it is yeah. so crisp and so big and in your face. So yeah, so the the preamp was one of those API. I think it's a three three two four. I think is what it's called. It's like a 
uh, what do you, it's like a four input rack. Maybe I'm saying the model wrong, but if you know API preamps, they have a strip that has four inputs and that's what we were using. It's not the most expensive strip by any means. Um, and that was it straight, straight into his interface. That was it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super simple. Yeah. Still, uh, still a fan favorite for sure. So slave to nothing comes up eventually. Um, I guess I'll probably just cover that at some point. I don't know. It doesn't, you know, Aaron Kadura leaves. You guys, uh, get this guy tugboat. We make a new album slave to nothing. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Songwriting changed a bit. Now, since I've been removed from it for a while and gone back and listened to the whole catalog, really thought about it, your songwriting changed a lot on this record. And yeah. um, what were your influences at the time that kind of made you swing this way? Because I would say you went heavier and more melodic at the same time. Yeah, I was. I think I was listening to a lot of North Lane and a lot of Bring Me the Horizon and... Um, I think I had my like usual influences. The problem with Slave to Nothing, and I think I'm allowed to say this because I'm the one that was in charge of all the guitars and everything. I was left alone, or maybe I like forced myself into like solitary confinement with the songs. Man, when we were writing that album, it was. Do you remember me? You were like, all very sitting? weird. Dude, I was sitting wearing headphones at a like makeshift writing station in the living room of Putney's studio, yep. d- demoing. And then me and Randy would go upstairs and basically like lock the door. I mean, anybody was welcome at any time, but you get me and Randy locked in a room together. What's going to happen? Like we're going to go nuts on the guitars. And, uh, and you did for dude, sure. Cause it's probably dude, the most technical fit for a King album. You riff just, yeah. all over the place. You have it's, and, oh. and it's so much, so much, arguably too much, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, uh, that's what happens when you eliminate like the team effort aspect of everything, you know, and like Brandy and I would like finish writing and then, Will would poke his head into the room and be like, yeah, sounds cool. I love this part. Yeah, that's awesome. Good job, everybody. So, yeah, I know I suffered from that, too. I wish that um, we all wrote together more on that record. I think it would have been better for the courses as well. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you know, at the same time, the the record did okay. You know, it wasn't our most successful, but it certainly wasn't um, poorly received. And I think it now gets better acclaim than it ever did. Um, really? I see more comments about it now, um, but I think that's just as you make more records, people will always be like, well, they don't do this thing that they used to do. Bah! Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that was the beginning of us with the big F drops and... Um, yeah. You know, going wild like that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Death Grip was definitely the beginning of a more cohesive look for our band, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of my fondest, two of my fondest memories for all of our songwriting days were made on that album cycle where I remember you writing Dead Memory in at Mr. Small's upstairs in the green room. Yeah. 
And I remember when you wrote the instruments for death grip and that was one of the funniest best. Oh, when I, when moments. I came out of the shower. Yeah. And you were just like, <laughs> I've got it guys. Duh. And you just sat down. <laughs> hey, it was, it, it was a thing. It, it was great. It worked. It the magic. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Very yeah. magical. It was very magical. It, <laughs> yeah, it was so good. What yep. a song, man. And then the yeah, curbs cool. the curbs slapping some cool lyricals on it and then boom. Yeah. You yep. got your first I, I would say that's the first certified heater we had as a band. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Hollow King. Hollow King was certified heater. Let's say since you joined, that since was I the, joined, that was yeah. the first certified heater. Yeah, um, yeah, because that one was a certified heater. So cool. Yeah, man. So after, I, what did you use on Death Grip? I know it was different. We were with Nick Sampson, so that was a whole interesting experience. I personally had a great, great time making Death Grip because I felt like it was the first time we all got really close as a band. Yeah, and but I had all, a blast. Yeah, we lived in, it was like an Econo Lodge extended stay in Detroit, or like outside of Detroit, um, in a suburb, next to a Walmart. It was super comfortable. We had a great time. We could cook. We had a gym. That was the first time me, you, and Jared exercised together. That was super fun. It was the middle of winter. There was like a foot of snow at all times. Yeah. Um, Uh, That, we ended up using a guitar that Nick built it was a just a machine of a guitar um and i believe the guitar tone was joey sturgis's tone forge menace oh. i think is what we used okay yeah yeah you know do you know if he's manufacturing those guitars at all if he's made any more of them i don't think he really got into that i don't know because that thing was sure. crazy because he could change out all the pieces so easily yeah, it could be a six string, a seven string, an eight string. You could take the pickups out with a screwdriver. It was great. You could change the bridge with just a screwdriver. It was awesome. It was so good. Yeah, that dude is on another level. He's wild. Yeah, yeah he's a genius. Yeah, he is an actual genius. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmed. Okay. But um, around that time, you, or after that, I guess, is when you got your Siggy guitar from esp right yeah yeah that was uh february maybe january of 2015 or 16 when i got that guitar i know we were on tour with beartooth beartooth every time i die us and old wounds what a tour we we played um the conservatory what is that orange county i think so or uh sac uh yeah, I don't know. Santa Some, Ana? somewhere, somewhere in California. Yeah, uh, but yeah, got that. Got my telly, um, and it is still just the best, the best guitar for it what is we a do. For what heavy, I do. Yeah. big piece of manwood. I love it. Um, what yeah. is it made of? Lay it out. So the body is alder. The top is uh, what do they call it? It's just a flamed maple. Um, the neck is bird's eye maple. The fretboard is bird's eye maple. Yeah, it's like all maple except the body being alder. And that's it. Nothing 
nothing too crazy. Bare knuckle aftermaths. Uh, that's it. Jumbo frets, 27 inches. You know, I mean, it's hard it's, for me uh, to play. I've got little girl hands. Yeah. You gotta, Not you to, to say that hands. all girls have little hands. I'm sure there are plenty of girls that have big hands, but I mm-hmm. have little hands. So right. I call them little girl hands. Little man hands. Little man hands. Little man hands. That's me. That's my new nickname. Ryan that, Little Man Hands. <laughs> that guitar was that guitar was stolen along with a couple of your basses, a helix, some cab, a T Smith bass. T Smith bass, yeah. Um yep. and months later got that got that guitar back. We got I feel like it was a everything. year. It may have been a year. Yeah, it may have been. Um yeah. couldn't believe it. Couldn't got believe both it. guitars or both basses. And you're sick. Did not get the T Smith. Did not get the T Smith. But both no cereal. Plans. No cereal on the T Smith. Yeah, I think that was part of the problem for sure, and harder yeah. to track down. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Man, that thing was sick though. Those thirty-five inch uh, neck. That that, that was the had the Aguilar pickup. That was the walnut burl. Yep, walnut burl, thirty-five uh, inch was, neck Aguilar pickup. Maybe dark glass preamp. That was a good instrument. Fantastic instrument. Somebody that that thing like rivals a nice Warwick or a nice oh, Spectre. One hundred ten percent. Wish I Man. still had it. That thing was. Somebody's awesome. got a yeah. Somebody's got a nice bass out there. Yeah, I you know hopefully they know what they have. That thing was one of a kind. It was awesome. Yeah. Shout really. out to Tom Smith from the Acacia Strain and his mm-hmm. dad who make incredible incredible guitars. Um, also I, Tom Smith. Yeah, his the purple one that he plays on tour now that his dad made is wild. It's, it's a good rig. Wild, wild guitar. Yeah. Um yeah, I love what those guitars that he plays. But um yeah, your SIG is, is pretty crazy that that came back. Um, but what an incredible make. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. ESP always has some cool stuff. But you have uh quite a few ESP rigs still. I like that other little Telecaster that you play the six string. Yeah, um, that's a cool guitar. The TE four hundred six Tobacco Burst Limited yeah. instrument. They didn't make too many of those. Lucky to get one of those, and you know I've got like the Alex Wade and the Stephen Carpenters and yep. a few others. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that's Quite, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I love ESP, obviously. Hey everyone, just wanted to let you in on a few things real quick. Firstly, forthenomads.org. It is a fundraiser put together by Frank Finelli, who's a friend of mine and who has uh, worked merch for a lot of your favorite bands. So far, they have raised $29,000 for 140 different touring and crew members. This is super important because there's a ton of people who aren't just in the band who have also missed out on work during this quarantine time period. So please, if you have a few extra dollars, possibly from your stimulus check, please go to forthenomads.org and make a donation if you can. Secondly, uh, talking with Chris and Andrew, it's another podcast put together by my friend Chris Ivanko. He helped me to put together my podcast and really talked me through it. Super thankful for him. He's a great friend of mine. He has a band called The Stash, if you're into pop rock kind of stuff. Super good. Amazing singer. Thank you, Chris. Next, we've got That's Awesome Podcast. 
It's Joe from Ice Nine Kills. We're both starting at the same time. He's a good friend of mine, and I think a lot of people who like Fit for a King also like Ice Nine Kills. So please, if you have a moment, go to That's Awesome Podcast and check that out. And lastly, Metalcore Nerds with Sean Mott. If you like Metalcore, which I think you all do, go check it out. Super fun. He uh, He's had Zach from Left Behind on, a bunch of other cool people. Go check it out. It's a great podcast. Now, for the main part, why we have stopped. Primal Aggression. I told you all that I was going to be playing a song in the middle of the show, so here is that time. Right now, I got a submission from a band called Primal Aggression. The song is called Should Have Been Gone by Morning, and it features Pablo from Chelsea Grin, who I think we all love. Dude is a crazy drummer, crazy vocalist, super sick. So it's cool that they got him to sing on it. He also helped to produce and record it. So they have an EP out called Sinister. Band's called Primal Aggression. Here's that song. Hope you love it.
All right, everybody, that was Primal Aggression from Utah. I hope you all loved it. Shout out to Pablo and Chelsea Grin. Now on with the show. Yeah. You're, um, so Dark Skies comes around. We meet Drew Folk. Drew mm-hmm. Folk, mm-hmm. as we like to call him. That's his real name. That's but his real he name. He changed it to Folk, like Marshall mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. the Rams. But. I would say that our songwriting changed a little bit around that time period when we met Drew. It seemed like he took everything that you had finally kind of like focused on and figured out with Death Grip and brought out the best in what you were capable of bringing from the guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the first, not, okay. So since working with Andreas, Drew was the first producer that we had worked with that did wasn't super focused on the guitars didn't really you know didn't really care about what the guitars were doing as long as they like sounded cool he wasn't going to be too picky so the focus shifted from like riffs and harmonies and leads and tones to just really just overall songwriting and when you're really good at writing songs like Drew is. And then you group get a group of guys that kind of have this like, you know, kind of cool sound going on, but needs some refinement. It's kind of the perfect storm to make these like kind of clean cut songs with this like sort of unique heaviness that we had going on. And uh, that's how you get songs like The Price of Agony. That's what comes out the other side. When, yeah. I, you know. I, I would say he took the best of something like Dead Memory, really fine-tuned that with you, and it came out The Price of Agony. Totally. Um, and even like Oblivion, you know, that. but like well, when, every, when everything means nothing, you have elements of death grip, but then kind of this like new, untapped, I, I don't know, it's just kind of like an evolution. A little more of, energy to it. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, like the magic that we found with the song death grip, he kind of helped us recapture that, uh, in a few different songs and dark skies, and then kind of helped us figure out how to put out a more like thrashy, a more like fast paced song. Um, you know, cause writing like quick thrashy fast music isn't really like a strong suit of mine. It's like never really backbreakers or shattered glasses kind of thing or short or evil or like the price of agony, you know, just things that like have like a lot of like forward momentum, a lot mm. of like energy, you know, like the verses and the price of agony are those punk beats. Yep. And that's something that I had never even attempted to write with. So it's just cool. You know, like there's drew has his like, uh, kinds of heavy music that he loves and enjoys listening to. And then we have ours and our influences. And when, when we morph it all together, it creates something really cool. So, um, and then, yeah, we just slowly refined our workflow over the process of recording dark skies and eventually just can't wear Like I just, I just wish he was in our band and <laughs> could help us oh, yeah, write right. songs all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't write too many songs without him these days, I'd say anyway. So I hope not. Yeah. yeah. It seems like after, um, you know, doing these two records with him. Hopefully, as long as this new one comes out and people like it, we'll get the chance to go back and do another one with him. Um, I think so. I think this new recording process was 
probably the best time recording ever. Um, Dude, it was amazing. It was so it great. Was, it was pure bliss. It Most was vacation. fun time hanging out with you ever. Yeah, and, easy. Gosh. Yeah, it was great. It was easy. Drew was easy. And we wrote more songs this time in a way. Um, we were kind of tearing through it for a while. And yeah, um, we were on a hot streak. Yeah, we were on like a six or seven, like a song a day hot streak. You know, I think we scrapped. We scrapped one song entirely, and then a lot of songs ended up getting reworked. So I won't say the name, but if you remember the title track, Mm -hmm. what it was, what what it was originally, it has gone through so much. Yeah, dude, so many revisions. Like it went from a song that we were like, "Man, what is even happening in this?" to being like just the most fun. Uh, Might be my favorite. It's easily my favorite song on the album. Yeah, it just makes me want to smash beers and have fun and jump off of things that are far too high. And makes me want to buy a motorcycle. Yeah, I would definitely ride a motorcycle to that song. Like, yeah. Dude, if I lived in Texas, maybe that'd be cool. I feel like I'd hit less deer. I don't hit a lot of deer personally, but I feel like there'd be a lot less deer. I'd be afraid of getting coronavirus on the highway. Dude, now because of coronavirus, people are riding like dirt bikes and quads on the streets and shit. Like it some rough rider shit. Good. It's oh. everywhere. Yeah, it's in the yeah. clouds. Yeah, it's in the cloud. Well, that's because they put it there with the um what's it called when the planes go and spray all the stuff in there? Um Oh god. I don't what's it called? know. Chemtrails? Chemtrails. Chemtrails. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at Danielle hoping she'd give me the answer, but you gave me the answer, so thank you. Yeah. Chemtrails. Chemtrails. Yeah. So but yeah, dark uh dark dark skies was amazing. I feel like we're doing Recording Dark Skies, we really, like, well, I learned that I just really thrive in a co-write situation. Um, I'll just throw this out there. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't think of a single song that I have written 100% by myself for Fit for a King. I really can't. And if, but I can remember the arguable, like, hundreds of demos that I've written that have just been completely rejected or just chopped on the cutting room floor, you know, out of like two or 300 songs I've written for fit for a King. I've maybe got like, I don't know, a, like 15, maybe 20 songs to go to final, but I did not write 100% of the music, you know? So I feel like there's a lot of people like, there's That's a thing going around that like I write the music for Fit for a King, this and that. Like, yeah, I mean, like I hold the, the guitar is in my lap most of the time. But I mean, um, you write the riffs. You yeah. just have people that are working with you approving the riffs and then sometimes improving the riffs. Absolutely. You know, there's plenty of times where it's been, you know, you I've seen you do it with Drew or myself or anyone be like, well, this is what I got. Like, this is the space I got to feel like, what do I do here? And then someone yeah. will be like, well, you're doing this like dinner, dinner now, do dinner, 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 dinner. Yeah. And yeah. so you definitely take influence. But, um, you know, I would still, you know, say that majority of it is your work um, and your just, riffs, which I, is cool. <laughs> I think the only song that I have done. So I think Bitter End 
is a song that I wrote by myself musically, I think. And then Skin and Bones is the only other thing that comes to mind. Yeah, because I had like the in, like the electronic stuff for Skin and Bones like done just as I was just like goofing off, just like making a thing. And then it turned into a song. And then I put the big jam, the big like instrumental jam at the end of the song. And that was it. Other than that, I don't think I have fully written a Fit for a King song front to back 100% by myself. I don't think it's really ever happened. That's so, that yeah, song just is hearing, also so good. Skin and Bones, the one that can't yeah. be redone. Um, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, I think the soft thing has been left in the past and the beauty of that track. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's wild. Just those two. That's it. I, I mean, nothing, unless somebody else, <laughs> I don't know how anyone else would know, but yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think, it's nothing I can think of. Um, unless I mean stuff off slave to nothing more, maybe. Uh, well, okay. Well, here's something. Here's a fun fact about slave to nothing. I think I had like five or six, like two minute songs written. And instead of getting together with my band to finish the songs, I asked Ryan Latrue from four today to come down and help me finish writing songs. Like I didn't consult my band members. I went to Ryan Latrue to help me like write these songs, and yeah, that's, that's pretty weird. cool. That's weird. That's it's. You that's guys just, were weird. It was funny. I don't. What were we doing? What were What were we doing? I have no idea. We're all being a bunch of weirdos. I guess so, but yeah, it was fine. It's interesting it when I see pictures of stuff like that. I was deleting stuff off my computer today, so I went and saw a bunch of old pictures of us, but. Man, we were babies during that time period. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was cool. Working with Will was awesome. I think he helped Ryan a lot to figure out how to be a little more of a wordsmith. Um, Yeah. And I think Ryan commented on that in the last show. But definitely being with Drew has helped to bring out the best in you, I would say. And definitely brought out the best in you on this newest album that people will eventually hear someday when the world starts turning again. Dude, I've, I just learned so much working with Drew. Like, gained so much perspective, just really, like, widened my lens in terms of, like, songwriting and then things, other things that have, like, nothing to do with music. Um, yeah, he's just, he's such an inspiration and, like, what, I mean, one of my best friends, one of our best friends, and it's rare to, like, form a relationship like that in a setting like we were in and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like he's a bit of a mentor, but like, Oh, 100%. But it's also just us hanging out, writing songs together. So it's just a very, very special relationship that we have. And, uh, absolutely honored to have him as a friend now, you know, definitely instead of just a colleague or someone that you hire to work with you because they're super talented. Totally. Um, But, you know, you also put in the effort on that too. So that's something, but yeah, what a guy to get to work with. Oh yeah. But dude, um, what would you say is new or different or, uh, what are some highlights about the new album that you can share with some people? New or different or highlights. Yeah. Of this new, new this, the slammer I'll call this album. Um, yeah. 
Because really, I think that it has, I think some people are, are slightly concerned because of the Breaking the Mirror single that it's going to go a little more butt rock. But mm-hmm. I personally, one, I don't think that song is um, all that white to begin with. And I don't think that uh, the record really steers that way. I would say this is one of our heaviest records yet. Yeah, um, it's more refined. It's a little more straightened out. Uh, I, I feel like I could comment on this so many different ways and say so many things, rebuttaling the concerns. Uh, it it really just came down to us writing songs to our enjoyment and writing songs uh, just really just like at a certain caliber where we were happy with them and we thought that they were the best songs that we could write. So I think to the people that are concerned about it, I don't, I don't really get the butt rock. Is that a thing? Are people, is that a like now I've seen that comment once or twice, but I think uh, that also could be poor phrasing on my end in terms of people. Uh, you know what? I have concerned. seen like, what, seen, like, I guess it's a heavy for, metal uh, thing, is what they were saying. Like, fit for a death punch, like fit for a five finger Which and stuff awesome. like that. I'm like, that's cool. That band is wild. But I'm also like, have, I'm not so sure that you know what they sound like because this does not sound like that to me at all. My, uh, the funniest one for me is when people would be like, oh, great. They sound like Kill Switch Engage. And I'm like, oh, like one of the best bands on the planet. Yeah, like, like oh, thanks. thanks. Oh, you sound like Parkway Drive. Ooh, woe is me. Like, that's not right. woe is me, the band. Like, yeah, I love Parkway Drive is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will take being compared to Kill Switch Engage any day, anytime. Anyway. Yes, please. Thank you. One, yeah, one of the greatest metalcore bands to ever have walked the earth. Yes, that would be that's great. Uh, but highlights, the it's just it's been ages since I've had songs on an album that we've written as a team that I can listen to over and over and over and over and. You know, I think I experienced that with Creation Destruction, where I was just so proud and so, like, just mind blown at what we had created as just kids, basically, that I think I kind of had that relationship with that album. But I don't know that I've had that with any any of our records in between Creation Destruction and the one that we're about to put out. There's a few of these songs that I can just spin over and over and over and over and they make me smile. They make yep. me happy. I'm so proud of the songs that we've written. And you should be. Uh, thank you. Um, and then, I don't know, there's just so many things overall have improved. There's just so many, like bringing Daniel into the mix. Daniel rips his ass off on this record. And like, the yeah, just the title track has the coolest ju- I mean sickest solo oh. the craziest, craziest solo, solo. craziest solo. Uh, and he's just such a madman like when he gets in the zone it's so wild the things that he can do he I mean 
I will never be able to play guitar the way that he does when he's up in that high register. It's crazy, man. Watching him work is magic. Yeah. So him like, and then him like singing and screaming in certain areas, adding this like top register that would never exist without him. So, I mean, just bringing him into the equation has taken our band to a dimension that it would never go, would never have been. Um, but yeah, just overall, the, this new album is just a much more like refined version of Fit for a King. And we just went places with our music that we've n- never gone before, probably because we didn't know how or we just really weren't capable of doing so. Like there are, there are a couple songs where we bring in like heavy industrial elements as like the Are main you instrument like God of Fire. God of Fire. And then I think there's a couple other parts where there's like the music is industrial sounds. Yeah. Like no real no drums, no guitars. And so we're like stretching the, these dynamics. We're stretching the like what the band is capable of doing and just kind of like not really pushing boundaries, just doing things that we all love in heavy music and have never done before. And it's all so sick. It's all so very, very good. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I, don't know I, if that really I love the. Question, the no, you did one hundred ten percent. Um, and I love that element that you and draw, uh, you and Drew brought in this time, especially on God of Fire, because I know that was a heavy debate with within our band when writing the song as to whether to go with those changes that you and Drew made. Um, in the end. But personally, yeah. I, I am a big fan of it. I really love where it went. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the song, I'll say this, is, maybe this is interesting, maybe it's not. The, like, God of Fire went from being a song that I had an X by on the track listing because I wanted to take it off of the album. And then Drew and I reworked it and added in all, like, replaced instruments, added in, like, an industrial feel here and there. And then it turned into like one of my favorite songs on the album, probably my third favorite song on the record. And is your favorite uh, still the title track? It probably is, but there's another song that I just love so much, but they're so different. I'm curious, so I but I, I can't ask you what it is because I want to know. But I guess I'll it's have a to ask song you where it's a song where you sing in the beginning. Oh, the mm-hmm. would would you say? I guess this would be our most rockin'est track. It would. I don't know. I don't know what that or, means. <laughs> like like radioy. It's kind of. It's like more. It's like a throwback. It's. It feels yeah. like a. It feels like a throwback metalcore song. Cool. Oh, yeah. I know what one you're talking about. Yeah, I think I know what one you're talking about. Yeah, I think I love that song too. That song's totally. awesome. And this yeah. is also very now that for now yeah, listening. yeah it is like uh, it is a true old school metal like early two thousands metalcore song. Yeah, if people thought we sounded like Killswitch Engage before, they didn't know shit because now we no. know. Get so. ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I love that song. That's a great song. Yeah, but yeah, you know, with that, um, I think we you know we always discuss this as friends. But fans are always curious. 
do you think you'll ever play shows other than bopping out for a song or two with us here and there? Um, do you think you'd ever come back to touring? I would love to. It's something I think about all the time. Um, it wouldn't be an easy thing to do, um, especially with like, you know, we're bringing our third child into the world and, um, you know, before this virus broke out, it may have been like a little bit clearer to set like, well, you know, the, the band needs to grow X amount. So like, there's like room for me to come back and like the stages are bigger and the vehicle is bigger and like my business at home needs to be at a certain size, all this and all that. Um, it seemed like we had all picked out like a fictional timeline, a bit of a, a bit of a plan where it's like, well, if all these things work out, then, you know, maybe we could look at like me coming out and playing, um, like a market headliners, something like that, you know, or like just touring the States, but not leaving the country with the band, something like that. And all of that sounds awesome until I think about, you know, like Emily at home running a business and raising three children, Absolutely. you know, for, well, you know, four to six weeks while I'm gone. Um, but it's just it's gotten so foggy with coronavirus that there's you know the future is just so unforeseen and so i think to properly and like fairly answer that question i think fit for a king needs to start playing shows <laughs> to again in general and then maybe we could revisit that so uh i guess the answer is i i'd really hope to i really want to um same i want you to it would be we, very nice we shall see we Someday. shall see what happens yeah you know i think if all of our perfect worlds uh worked out where you know we get to do this for a long time and you know things pan out then i, I think so um you know yeah. but more importantly i think it's you know that that much more amazing that you're bringing in a third child and um you know, you have left what we did, created an entirely new business from the ground up just with your partner and completely crushed it because I know a few fans, I, I asked for questions for you today and some people were curious as to how they can support you in this time. And I know privately you've told me that things are actually been going pretty well online, but I think people can make purchases from grow plant shop online and have it sent to their home right yes that is correct yeah very cool um so what inspired you to make a plant shop so many people are curious and i know we've talked about it a bit but lay it out for them well uh just growing tropical plants was like my big biggest hobby outside of playing guitar and writing songs and it was what i loved most outside of music. So when I decided that touring full time wasn't a feasible option for me for multitude of reasons, instead of like getting a job somewhere, I just said, well, why don't I just take what I love that isn't music and try to 
generate some income off of that, whatever that looks like. So I just thought, well, maybe I can just like sell some plants. Um, and the idea really struck when I went around to the, the garden centers and nurseries in North Texas, and I just could not find the plants that I liked. There's like a certain, I don't know. I mean, I just couldn't find anything that I had seen on the internet. So I was like, well, if I can find the plants that I think are really cool, maybe there are other people that are into what I'm into. And, uh, cause it's not what a lot of people think, um, your plant shop is. It's not just, you know, tulips and flowers and roses and that kind of thing. It is large tropical plants. It's a whole different kind of feel. Um, yes, yeah, so the word would be like the word would be like ornamental. Okay, you know, the the plants are known for their like foliage rather than their flowers. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're not into plants or like tropical plants, then all the it you know it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, so we're going for like plants that have like interesting interesting leaf patterns and like massive leaves, like you said, or small leaves or and then there's the, the category of plants that are like difficult to grow and myself, millions of other people really enjoy the challenge of just growing these plants that are native to certain rainforests, different climates, super high altitudes, super high humidity, and then bringing them into our homes and trying to create an environment for them so that they thrive and are happy. So yeah, it's uh, it's really nerdy. It's a lot of fun. I like and, when you say big plant names. It sounds like science. Oh, right. Yeah, when I speak Latin. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool because I yeah. told everyone on the first episode that I failed my earth science regents um, the first uh, time I took it. So uh, I think it's pretty cool that you know all these fancy names because you would probably do pretty gosh darn diddly well. Maybe. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. You didn't really like school back then, but I guess maybe you'd like plant school. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like plant, but different plant. But that's okay. Plant's cool. Yeah. Um, I had some people send me questions for you, and I have one, and uh, this is a cute one. It's from Mark X Rude Man One Three Three on the gram. What's the key to finding free time to riff while being a full-time dad? Oh, uh, caffeine and a space to write that is where the sound is isolated. You have to be a night owl and you have to have an area where you can be loud all to yourself and not disrupt anyone else. Maybe that's headphones. Maybe that's a basement, an attic. I don't You've know. You've got your backyard room. space. Yeah, we have a, a small guest house that's literally falling in on itself, but that's where I keep my computer and my interface and my monitors. And it's not pretty by any means, but it allows me to write. Uh, I think it's and, pretty cute. Yeah, it's good enough. I uh, like it. it's, yeah, it's cool. Um, but yeah, and then caffeine helps or just, I don't know, any. I just find that if I have like a snack or a drink, I can kind of keep myself awake. But I will say as I inch closer to 30, it gets much harder to stay up past midnight writing music. So you're uh, telling me, yeah. brother, it's 1043 right now. And struggling. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm on beer number two. Um, you know, like I said, plant, 
Like, you know, it's late for me, but I was watching some quality murder TV. Um, so that was good. Um, you know, another person, a underscore money zero. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but what tunings do you like to play in and what are your influences? And uh, I, we pretty much, did you use the same tunings? Um, well, I think we stayed the same on this record as we did in past ones, but would you like to explain what tunings yeah. we play in? Yeah, we've always been in drop A sharp. That's just where the band has lived since I joined. Uh, we had a little bit of drop B early on, like descendants bounces between A sharp and B. And then we went to straight A sharp and then when slave to nothing came around i was like well i want to stay in a sharp but put an f underneath it and then we wrote the whole album in f um so yeah it's just drop a sharp and then if if we're on a seven string or if it's one of our lower tunings it's just an f underneath the a sharp so you have a parallel octave f a sharp f a sharp d sharp gc and so on uh influences Number one influence of all time is Jim Root or whoever's writing the banging Slipknot riffs. Maybe it's Nick and Jim. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so let's just call it Slipknot. Slipknot. Um, number one, easy. And then when you get into, they were just like the first band that I heard where I was like, hold on, what's going on? Like when I heard Blister Exists when I was in the seventh grade and the chorus riff came in, and it was just like the grooviest heaviest thing and i couldn't even like play electric guitar at the time so that's just kind of what like set me off into that whole like bouncy riff groovy riff thing um i think i heard corn before i heard slipknot uh yeah it wasn't i wasn't at the same time but yeah it wasn't jamming corn um but then in terms of like like heavier music um the acacia strain and mushuga like everything that dl wrote for the acacia strain is still just some of my favorite heavy music ever um he made a post on instagram with a riff the uh i think it was today or yesterday and just you see him playing and you hear it and you're just like god damn it's so good yeah. yeah dude just has good. a feel yeah he does yeah um and then you know in terms of like polished playing and like cleanliness and tightness really just perfection like adam d is in my opinion the epitome of what a perfect like metalcore heavy metal guitarist should be and that's what we should all be aspiring to be um, like his right hand is faster as, as fast as anyone's his left hand is cleaner and faster than anyone's. And he does it all like effortlessly. You listen to their songs and you, you know, he's playing everything. He's not building. He's not like slowing things down and punching things in. Like, uh, he's a machine. So he's like, you know, I may not put like sonically may not pull a ton of like influence from him, but he's like a massive inspiration for me. And I think he probably is for millions of other heavy metal guitarists. But other than that, uh, you know, there I've got the guys that I love outside of heavy music. I love yeah. Chris Stapleton, love Chris Stapleton. I love John Mayer. Um, 
I think that though, you know, when I sit down on a on a Stratocaster or an acoustic guitar, um, that's more of the style of music that I find myself playing. So, would you still uh, say Boney Vera is your favorite or not anymore? Or favorite band of all time. Favorite yeah. band of all time. Easy. Yeah, okay. Justin Vernon, Boney Vera, Volcano Choir, whole thing. Yeah, easily my favorite band. No question. Sweet. Tell the people what your favorite plant is. Philodendron varicosum, any form. I don't care what subspecies. I don't care what region of South America it's from. Any varicosum. You bring it to me, and I'm happy. That's it. That's my favorite plant. Oh, all right. Now we know. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Boom. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. I didn't know. I could say I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce any of them. You can you can say it. Philodendron varicosum. Philodendron varicosum. It sounds Boom. like uh sounds like vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. My vampire stuff starts coming out this week. Well, I'm ready. I guess before this drops, mine my song comes out on Friday the seventeenth, but then this will drop on the following Monday. Cool. But, I'm ready. You know. Thanks. I just wanted an excuse to put on makeup, Robert. Same. Yeah, who doesn't, right? I don't know. You know. But that was cool that Danielle and Finn got to meet today. That was nice. That was cool. I yeah. liked that. That was very cool. She's so cute, man. You're lucky cute dude. Kid. I know a lot of people are curious about um what it's like being a father and having a family while also being able to still riff. And I think it was confusing for a lot of people for a long time. They didn't understand that you were still in the band. Yeah. You just don't tour. Um, it's as simple as that. Yeah. I think if they met your family, uh, they would completely understand. And hopefully when they have their own, they will understand what that means. Um, but totally, you know, yeah. it's pretty goddamn cool. Yeah, I've only seen a couple people leave unsavory comments about me not being on tour with the band. And it's just perplexing to me. It's like, why do you care so much about what I am doing right now? Like, you know, let me just live the way. No one. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. What that, a silly thing to be concerned about. Um, I know. Yeah. You know. But I mean, it's, yeah, it blows my mind. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think that, you know, too many people are concerned with the negative aspect. I think people are, people ask about when you're going to, if you'll ever be a vocal feature again. And I think that the problem with that is just, we would love for you to be a vocal feature on songs again. It's just that we can't, none of us can do your vocals live. If any yeah. of us could speak 10 octaves lower than we can, <laughs> then maybe we could consider doing that. But, um, yeah. You know, it just doesn't it's just make impossible. Sense. Yeah. Um, but definitely miss having it because that was a nice aspect of adding into uh, the album Death Grip. And I think that it definitely added to the success of that album was people love you and love your personality. So I think they loved getting to see you scream so much that they thought your head was going to explode. And I miss doing it. All the veins, all the vertigo, all the veins, dude. All the vertigo. I remember there was a time where I, like Kirby and I were screaming the last line of the chorus and pissed off together. And I like was trying to, I was like watching him out of the corner of my eye, like screaming, trying to scream as long as him. And I oh remember God. at some, at one point, everything went black. I couldn't hear anything. 
and I was just, yeah, I was just like standing there and I went cold. So I had, you know, I had like knocked myself out. Basically, I was basically passed out, standing up, still playing guitar somehow. And then eventually like came to and was just in shock that I was like passed out, standing up, playing guitar because I was screaming too loud and too long so bad idea not good don't do that hey i don't know you had a does. knack for it though it, it was, was just badass. i could have died could have died could've you know what been. that's always my biggest concern is i'm gonna have an aneurysm someday um yeah. but i guess if you're not screamoing as much now then you know maybe you're less likely but well they you know they say aneurysms aren't painful so if it happens then Oh yeah, oh, wow. I don't I don't know if it's going to be painful or not. I just think it's going to kill me. Right. Um, but there's a lot of things that could kill me and probably should have by now. So, Maybe. you know, I'm not really that concerned to be honest. Um, gotcha. I don't really think about it. Cuz I watch gotcha. too much uh informative murder porn to be concerned about death. I'm okay. more concerned about like when Danielle watches American Idol and I cry. Why? Why am I crying? <laughs> because <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. Because uh, you know the the murder of innocent people doesn't bother me, but for some reason, when that girl like goes through to the the top twenty, I'm like, <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you. You were so good. But you know, that's just that's me. So that's just you. That's just that's me just, being emotionally unstable. Yeah. That's just getting tucked. That's all that is. It's it's getting tucked. Yeah. That's what it is. Like we've yeah. gotten tucked. You and yep. me here in this moment. <laughs> if you could have any uh guitar show up at your doorstep into your hands right now, what do you think it would be? Be honest. Dunnable Dunnable Yeti. Easy. Dunnable right? Yeti. Yeah. Easy. Or or just any Gibson Firebird. Any year, any color. Not Don't any care. year. We're not. Any. We are not doing like sixteen through nineteen. Definitely not. Were they even making that guitar then? Probably, but it was probably bad. So we'll skip the shitty Gibson years. The shitty Gibson. Most, years. yeah. Most. You want like a sick American Gibson? You want like Chinese Gibson? No offense. Honestly, I, I honestly don't care. Like, okay. I mean, that's been. I sad. really, do. yeah. So Gibson Firebird, Dunnable Yeti. Uh. Wouldn't be mad about a James Valentine. I think I'd like the cream mm. one, the cream with the tortoise pit guard. Did you see um, Tepe or uh, from Thrice's? I haven't seen it. Dude. Oh, man. He does like a sunburst with a white binding, and it's insane. That's it nice. crazy. Yeah, I want That's it. Nice. I want it very yeah. bad. The Thrice guitars are sick. I saw um, Dustin's signature at Nam this year. And yeah. I touched it, and it was pretty cool. I also cool. saw James Valentine at Nam this year. Is he and, just so, so angelic? Yeah, and he's he's much taller than I thought he would be. I went right up to him, and I was just like, "James, hey, h- how are you?" And he was like, "Oh, Tuck, like, wow, good to see you, friend." That's, um, not, what that's not what happened. I walked away um, because there was a lot of people there to see yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but it was cool because I do love his guitar, as do you, because it's for sure. pretty perfect. For I'd also guitar. like a USA ESP Eclipse 
black body, white binding. You know, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go rosewood fretboard and maple neck. Pearl inlays or dot inlays? Don't really care. Don't really care. Right. It's gonna. You know what? Give me the flags. Give me the flags. Ooh. Uh, and that's it. But it's probably gonna have dots. I'm into that. It's probably gonna have dots. That's the way it goes. Uh, other, yeah. Other than that, I think I'm good with uh, with all the guitars. Sweet. Fun guitar yeah. fact. Um, my old neighbor found these for me online. Um, but Seymour Duncan makes a P90 in the form of a single coil. So I'm going to get mm-hmm. two of those and slap them in my Strat. Cause I know you used to have a set, a very sick Strat that had all sorts of weird pickups in it. Um, yeah. And I sold it to Pablo. Shout out. Pablo. Yes, Pablo. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually just sent me a band that, he produced and um i am gonna put it in this episode so that's cool um yeah they're pretty sick they've got the mosh so it'll be in somewhere throughout this episode perhaps in the middle which this isn't the middle this is more towards the end right but you know that's pretty cool and all i like screamo so i guess by this time we've actually already talked about it if i'm doing uh, my timeline correct yes yeah i've talked about it i guess you haven't talked about now we're talking about it again isn't that so cool podcasting wow it is cool yeah yeah i feel so lucky i have this beautiful show with these beautiful people but you know the reality is bob people want to hear from you and they wanted to know what the heck you're doing with your life and what your favorite plants are and what kind of strings i use and what kind of strings you use what strings did you primarily use on this record bob the adario nyxl 10 to 74 yes you did hey if you had to pick three plugins for someone for their basic at home i want to sound good mix or things that have helped you what would you pick strictly mixing not composing I don't know. Like whatever like, helps you the most. Would you say that they're more like it's more necessary for you to have good things for composing or good things for mixing? Cuz I would say it's probably more important to have uh good quality plugins for your songwriting cuz it encourages the songwriting. Yeah, if you don't have slamming drums, you're not going to vibe with your track. If you don't have good guitar tone slash great guitar tone, you're not going to be happy with what you're writing. And uh, if you don't have like a decent like compressor or like multiband compressor on your mix bus, then you're not going to get that like boomy polished sound uh, on your mix. So like superior drummer, get good drums, Steve Slate, SSD4 Platinum. I think SSD5 is out now and like any like decent modern heavy metal drum plug-in is so important um as someone who's trying to learn about recording a lot mm-hmm. of people have recommended to me to get good drums um yeah which i think i'm going to look into and probably purchase yeah. they're um, just get good is like the biggest fattest right out of the gate like the craziest sounding drums you can get i mean it's freaking it's coming from the hands of periphery so you know it's going to be good 
Well, uh, I wrote this like Deaf Heaven sounding song the other day. It basically yeah. is a, a bad Deaf Heaven song. Um, cool. So I just need good sounding blast beats. Yeah. So get good drums. We'll do that. Uh, the thing with like Steven Slate is the drums are all like pretty true and natural sounding. So it takes a little bit of like combining and a little bit of like compressing and just, you know, processing outside of the plugin. Okay. Uh, whereas the, the get good samples are just awesome just as like raw tones and then superior drummer is great too um the processing inside superior drummer is really good so it's just a heavy plug-in but it's pretty versatile um and then any good amp sim man stl tones is coming out with has just come out with an arsenal of amazing amp simulators uh well, you, you like the Benson one, right? Um, yeah, we we tracked with the Howard Benson one for our new album. I love the Will Putney STL tones, um, and then like the the Archetype plugins are cool. Uh, the Fortin NTS Fortin amp is good. Um, I haven't heard the Omega. I forget what it's called. I don't know. Is that a neural uh, DSP one? Yeah, yeah, they yeah they partnered, and I've heard good things, but I, I have believe not. it's an Obsidian, like the one that you used to play. It's got a different name. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, sweet. Um, and then just any good like multiband compressor to like squash squash your mix, make it boom, make it hit, and then give it a little polish. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Very nice, Bob. Thanks. Sure. I'm yeah. also going to take this advice and utilize it because I want things to sound more better when I write bad Deaf Heaven songs. Okay. But yeah, it's pre- I think you would like it in theory. I'm sure I would. Like, if it was like recorded well, it would. Yeah. I think you would like it. But I'm riffing, man. I'm telling you, I'm over here riffing now that I've got my Kemper here. Woo wee. I believe it. Oh, man, all I got to do is turn it on, put on a pair of headphones, and I can riff forever. Yeah. And it all sounds so good, and even though I'm terrible, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. but You're not terrible. You know, I'm trying, man. I want to. Yeah. I'm at least trying to learn things during this shutdown. Totally. Necessary, because otherwise yeah. I probably would have gone crazy right now. Uh, a lot of people, I think, are going a little crazy, which is why it's so fun to get to bring them this lovely show. And oh yeah, dude, thanks for answering all of these questions, going through the fit timeline, and being my best Absolutely. friend. Because Absolutely. I love you. Thanks for being my best friend, dude. Of course, I just wish I got to come and like help package plants with you and stuff while we were doing this, but. Nope. I saw this cool house in Texas on this Instagram that was like a really cheap, cool house. So, so I'm going to buy it and then I'll just like live in Texas. But I can't buy it because I don't have a job right now. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have any last words for the people, Bob? Uh, stay at home. That's it. Don't get coronavirus uh, and don't spread coronavirus so because if you if you don't stay at home and if you go out and spread this terrible disease then fit for a king can't play shows so yeah
yeah, that's uh, that's the main thing. I'm gonna confess something to you. I you went out. You I, left. Yeah, I t- well, we took the test, and it turns out I don't have COVID nineteen. Okay. So, and it was my mom's birthday on Sunday, so I was like, I'm gonna go hide upstate for the weekend yeah. and sit in the hot tub and drink and play darts with my dad, which I beat him in a game of darts. I have beat my father twice, maybe three times in my life at darts. I won a game and it was pretty cool. And it was also my mom's birthday. So, but yeah, I, I did not listen to the advice that you just gave these people. And I went out, but I also got a test. I was officially like, Hey, you don't have it. So yeah, if you're clear, then you're good. That's yeah. just that's if you're the, clear, go know. get it. Right? Yeah, go get the go get the virus. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, just if you're stuck at home, not working, just find something to keep your mind busy. And if you're listening to this and play guitar, just practice a ton and. Uh, pay attention to what your favorite bands are doing within their songs. So maybe one day you could be a, a great songwriter like them. If you are not already, you might be, and you may just not know it. I fully so, agree with that. And I think that that is something that we try to actively do all the time. Absolutely. Um, Cause I think we are always fans first and that is yes. most important. We love music and we love listening to it and that's what makes us write it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree, man. That's yeah. cool. Well, dude, you're the best. Thanks for being yeah, on the show. Um, where sure. can the people buy your plants? What's the website? You can go to growplantshop.com. You could also Google search grow, just G-R-O-W. Scroll to the bottom of page one, and we are the last HTML link on page wow. one of, of the on Google page search. one of the grow Google. Yeah. So we're huge. trying to work. We're trying to work on that, trying to get our business up to the top of the list. But for now, if you Google grow, we're the last website on page one or growplantshop.com shop plants, shop pots, shop merchandise. Uh, that's it. And whenever the virus is done and the world starts to go back to normal. You can come visit my plant shop in Fort Worth in North Texas and give me a high five. And that's it. That sounds great. I know I'll be visiting at some point to give you a high five. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, uh, hang on one second. So I, um, can continue to chat with you off the air, but dude, I love you. Thanks for being on my show. You are the greatest human on the planet and I don't know what I would do without you. Likewise. Love you, man. I love you too, buddy. All right. Hold on one second. All right, everybody. That was the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again, Bobby. Thank you for being on the show. Tune in next week. I'm going to have Daniel Gailey. He has been in becoming the archetype. He has been in Phineas, and now he has found himself in Fit for a King. He is a shred lord. He is one of my favorite people, and we're very lucky to have him in the band. So I can't wait for you all to get to know him a little bit better. Through that, I, too, will get to know him a little bit better. And also, if you guys have a chance, 
Off-Road Minivan, two new songs, Supernova and Vampire. They're out now. We have a new album called Swan Dive. It's going to be out May 15th. Playing currently is Supernova, the same song that I told you guys about earlier. If you get a chance, go check out our pre-orders on MerchNow.com. Thank you. I love you. Can't wait to talk to you next week. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. 
Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.